surrounded by enemies on all sides, defeat almost certain. Two kings took long looks into the mirror and neither liked what they saw. Both saw failures in themselves and in their kingdoms. Both saw missed opportunities. Both felt like they were not measuring up. Sadly, for one, it ended in the worst way possible. Yet for the other, there was total transformation. But before we get to the transformational truth that led to that, I want to ask you, I want to ask myself, what about us? What do we see when we look in the mirror? I've been praying through this fast, through this time, that we would take advantage of this new year, that we would take advantage of new opportunities, new reflections about ourselves. Pastor starting asking us last weekend, and I want to continue this weekend, what do you see when you look at yourself in the mirror? Far too many of us, we spend too much time, right, looking in the mirror, making sure that the outside is right, making sure the outfit looks good or um, whatever it looks like, whatever you care about. But I've been so convicted this week that far too many of us spend far too little time looking internally, spiritually, and emotionally. I wonder what you see. I wonder what those two kings saw when they look in the mirror. But I wonder what you see when you look in the mirror. I wonder if you've taken time to look deep down to see what you see. See, at the beginning of the church, when the church was exploding, uh, new churches popping up in cities all over the Middle East, there was a man who experienced a radical transformation, and his name was Paul. And what Paul would do is he would go from city to city, and he would start churches, and he would encourage, tra encourage transformation in those believers so that they could see transformation in the city. It's a lot like what we want to do at Faith Promise. We, called to, we feel called to reach 1% of the state of Tennessee. That means we're going to have to put campuses, churches in city after city to see transformation in individuals, but also in transformation in the city. But something I love that Paul would do is after he would leave that city where he planted a church, he would oftentimes write them letters when he was in jail or whenever he had opportunity. He would write them letters to encourage them to continue their transformation. And actually, 13 books of our New Testament, that's what those are. Those are letters to those churches to encourage their transformation. And so I want to pull a scripture out of, out of Corinthians that it's to the Corinth church, but the reason I think it's so massive, there's two reasons I want us to press into this passage. The first one is because there was a lot of new believers in this church. And you know what, Faith Promise, we can celebrate. There's a, a lot of new believers at Faith Promise. People are getting saved every week. Is that amazing? In all of our campuses, there were baptisms. It's awesome. That's something to celebrate. That's part of who God's called us to be. But also, another reason we have to press into this passage is because it was meant, this whole letter was meant to help, to explain, and to encourage the transformation possible through a relationship with Jesus. In this passage, Paul is going to describe a transformation to a new position and the transformation to a new perspective that I am convicted, I'm convinced that we so need. 
Paul, God uses Paul to show us what we need to see when we look in the mirror. Now, this is so good, and I'm telling you, you're, you're going to see some scripture today that you need to memorize. You can put that on your personal growth plan. But in verse 17, Paul starts this way, and this is something some of us need to get, and we need to say back to the devil whenever you get these temptations. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. There's a lot of us, when you hear those lies about your past or about who you are, we need to memorize that verse. We need to write it on our mirror and commit it to our hearts. He continues in verse 18 and says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And listen right here. Listen. This is a big deal. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You may not feel like you have an eternal purpose, but that's not what God says. You and I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That God has reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. Listen, he's going to say it twice. First, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And then right here, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That is who we are right here. Verse 20, this should transform our perspective. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you haven't. But I pray it washes over you in such a transformative way this weekend and this whole year. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. I don't know what you call yourself. I don't know what you say about yourself. But how often do you say, I am a Christ, I am Christ's ambassador. Listen to this. As though Christ were making his appeal through us. That's why Paul said, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Two words I want to make sure that we grab a hold of in that passage. First, you're an ambassador. What that word literally means is you are a representative. You are a messenger to a king. That's who you are. That's what he calls us, right, biblically. But also that word reconciliation, that word means to the action of making one view or belief compatible with another. And I believe we're exposed to experience such a transformation from the inside out that the world is going to see it and they're going to say, I want to be reconciled where they're reconciled. I want to experience the freedom they experience. I want to experience the love that they experience. But if you're here this weekend and you're struggling with what you see, let me ask, what if, what, what, what's keeping you from seeing what God sees in you? A new perspective, a new reflection. What if an ambassador's reflection is available and it's waiting, not just to some king, but to the king? I want to pray, and I, want, I know it's a lot before we pray, right? But I want to do that before we pray because that's going to take God moving in our lives, right? That's going to take God being involved this weekend. And so I want to pray that God would reveal a new reflection. But I also want to pray that God would mold a new perspective. Because we know at Faith Promise, the hands that hold you, the hands that hold you, let's go to God in prayer. God, we come before you this weekend. And we really do. Holy Spirit, we ask for a new reflection, a new perspective. God, we do not want to be pressed into the, the mold of this world, but we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. God, we want to be ambassadors. God, from the inside out, God, for, for our relationship with you, for our families, God, for our, for our relationship with others, for our world. God, you've called us to a higher purpose, and the devil desperately wants to distract us from who we're called to be. But God, I pray that today that would stop. 
as we dive into your word and we get your direction and your focus and your transformation. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. It draw us to a new place of new action and new obedience as we look into a new reflection. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Are you excited to be in church, all of our campuses? You guys excited to be here? I hope you're excited. God's got some special stuff for us. No matter where you're joining us, we're so glad that you're here. We're proud of you. God is going to do something amazing this weekend. If you're live at a campus, if you're live online, if you're listening to this uh, a few months down the road, we're just excited to be with you in a month of the, the cocoon of transformation that we are in here in this time. Pastor started last week by talking about being pressed, being pressed by things on the outside, right, by peer pressure and different things like that. Talked about oppressing, and as I listened to that message last weekend, and as I was praying and fasting for us this week, I was just thinking, you know, a lot of us have tried. Maybe you've had financial issues and you've cut up your credit cards, or maybe you, you've, you've had some relationships you need to cut out, so you, you blocked those numbers, or, or, or maybe you had a, an issue with the internet and so you put some blocks on your browsers, but it didn't seem to work. That, that sin or that, that addiction came back around. Let me ask you a question. What about the inside? What a shame it would be to guard the outside only to be crushed, to be cut to pieces from the inside out. Now I'll tell you this, I don't like, I don't like being cut. Like I don't like little, I just, I just don't like them. I, I know nobody likes being cut, but it's like a pet peeve of mine. Like on, on TV, like when they're doing the autopsy, right, and they show it, I, I look away. I just, I just don't like it. It's like nails on a chalkboard to me. I don't like paper cuts. One time Micah, uh, my brother, cut my finger open. We were wrestling over a pocket knife. It wasn't a wise decision, right? I, I agree. But he cut my finger up. I had to get stitches. Another time Micah hit me in the back with a machete. You know, I'm starting to think I just don't like Micah. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I just don't like cuts. I just don't like them. I, 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 just, I just don't care for them. But let me tell you this. Give me a cut any day over, like, the stomach bug, over, over an issue like that. You know, like, you just can't get comfortable. You're not really sure what's wrong. You're laying all different ways. Trying, you're, you're trying to sleep in the recliner. You're trying to lay on your side, right? If it's really bad, you're, 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 you're connected to the porcelain pony, right? You're holding it this way. You're holding it this way. You don't know. And you're just praying to the sweet Lord Jesus for relief and, and forgiveness for whatever sin you've committed that got you in the spot. Don't act like it's just me. Every service has judged me for that. You've been there. If you haven't, maybe the Lord will. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> but hey, it just feels like you can't find relief. Is it possible that we feel and act the same way when we're pressed from within? I'm a millennial, and uh, I, I've heard a lot of millennials say, it is what it is. There, there's nothing you can do about that. It, it, just, it just is what it is. And actually, it doesn't matter what generation you are. If we're not careful, that attitude will lead us to a victim mindset, which is not what we're supposed to be. But I would say a way that all of us say it is what it is is with our emotions. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I just don't, I, what, you know, I'm with, with anger or jealousy or greed, whatever it might be, we just feel like, oh, it is what it is. But let me tell you this, and I pray this is going to challenge you, and I believe it's going to set some people free this weekend. I read a study this week by Brian Tracy that says 95% of your emotions are determined by the way you talk to yourself. 95% of your emotions are determined the way you talk, what you speak over yourself. Hey, I believe we should say, I mean, we, we, can, we can see some transformation just with that. 
But what if we see, what if what we see and what we are saying to ourselves are actually preventing God's process of transformation? And instead, what if it is pressing us into the mold that the world has for us? What if this weekend we looked inside and we decide to see and to speak God's transformation over our life from the inside out? I believe it would change everything. I believe if we will this weekend, if we will see and speak God's transformation over our lives, over the lives around us, I'm telling you, it it could change the world. I wonder how many of us that the first step towards our transformation is taking a long look inside at our internal dialogue. I know we talk a lot about the outside, but I wonder how many of us, our first step towards transformation is right here, inside of us. The things we say, the things we believe about ourselves. I know it's my first step towards transformation. Listen, I didn't say it was my first step towards transformation. This is still my first step towards transformation. Because we don't want transformation just to be a, another book on yourself. We don't want it to be a, just a month at church or, or a word for the year. We really do. We want transformation for you, for your family, for your ministry, literally for your everyday calling. Because you have one. The ministry of reconciliation. Does anybody at any of our campuses believe that God could transform your life? Does anybody believe that? It's hard. You feel a little reservation in even here where you're the safest to believe it. But that's why we're fasting and praying. Promisers all over are fasting and praying. We had Saturday morning prayer where we prayed for transformation. We'll do the same thing next Saturday. We had Freedom Conference this weekend, which if you've never been through Freedom, it's a, it's a group that we offer. You have to go through. It's unbelievable. We have a group launch coming soon. You do not want to miss that. But we believe there's transformation there. With one conference, with our student ministry, if you're a student, amen, don't miss that. But hey, if you're a student, we we believe that there's transformation for you. I actually hope that our students lead the way in transformation. I pray that we'd walk into high schools and middle schools, there'd be small groups meeting around the lunch table, talking about what God's doing, who they're sharing their faith with. Why not? Our God can. But let me ask you, whether you're a sixth grader or you're a senior citizen, What is standing in the way of your transformation becoming a reality? Our world has had enough theory from the church. It's time for transformed lives where they can see the reality. So what's trying to mold us? What's trying to press us? What's trying to conform us into something different than God's design for our life? Listen, this is how important it was to Paul when he was launching the first churches. Paul writing to a church in Rome. This is one of our theme verses for the year, Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says this, do not be conformed. Do not be pressed to the pattern of this world, to the pattern of greed, to the pattern of selfishness, to the pattern of hatred. Don't be conformed to that, but be transformed. He didn't say by the renewing of your habits. He didn't say by setting new goals. He said by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test, approve, and see what God's perfect, his pleasing and perfect will. We want to know God's will. That starts with the transformation of our minds, our thoughts first. So let's take a look in the mirror this weekend. Right there in your seat, it's going to take humility. It's going to take not just just spectating, but participating in what God's doing at all of our campuses. Hey, if you're not a Christian, can I just tell you, We're going to give you an opportunity coming up. It's going to be amazing. God's going to work in a radical way. Your life is going to be transformed. 
But if you are a Christian, when you look in the mirror, do you see an ambassador? Do you see a king's representative? In our devotional this last week, we read, we learned that we are ambassadors. But can I be honest? That is not the first reflection that I see when I wake up. I have a degree in the Bible. I'm working on my master's degree in it. But yet, it's my first fight every day to see myself as an ambassador. And I want to ask you this week to make that your first fight every day. Now, I get it. I know you're fighting other fights. I know maybe you're in a custody battle. Maybe you're fighting a sickness. Maybe, maybe you're fighting for a relationship. Maybe you're fighting to pay the bills. I know you have fights going on. So why in the world would I ask you to add another fight and make it first? Well, Pastor wrote something on page 53 of our devotional that really reminded me that this is the fight I must fight first. And this is biblical, but Pastor wrote, you will give us and you will give an account to him for all you did with all he did in you. We will give an account one day for all we did with all that God did in us. We're ambassadors, Christ followers. This is what we signed up for at Salvation. We are representatives to the messenger, to the king now. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this? Can you imagine a king summoning a messenger and, and, and getting, the, getting the ambassador's voicemail? Can you imagine a king summoning one of his ambassadors, writing the, the royal decree, and it's being sent out, and the ambassador saying, ah, I'm busy. I, I, I don't have time. Students, young adults, can you imagine an ambassador just ghosting the king, just totally ignoring them? It seems crazy, right? We've all seen period pieces. That seemed like there'd be some pretty severe repercussions. But do we find ourselves doing that? Because, listen, we can look back in history, we can look in present day, and we can see whenever God's messengers answer the call, crazy transformation happens. One of my favorite transformation stories is whenever this ambassador answered the king's call, and that's Dr. Martin Luther King. From 1955 to 1965, he was leading this civil rights movement. And there were countless marches with black people and white people and Hispanic people, all kinds of people desiring this freedom. But in 1963, there was a breakthrough. That's when Dr. King got up on television and preached and said, I have a dream. And information wasn't as readily available, but with this televised speech for the first time, many people understood this movement for the first time. And there was transformation that followed. You may think you can't make a big difference. Do you know that only 1% of the U.S. population was on board with that legislation when it was signed? But if God's ambassadors will stand up and live transformed lives, we will see transformation around us. And we, you know, we see people doing it today. I want to celebrate one of our elders, uh, Do Dr. Keith Gray, who's one of my friends. He, he lives a transformed life at home. He lives one at work. And actually, Dr. Keith Gray, he was just announced, uh, and we're celebrating him as the recipient of the MLK Commission's 2022 Advocacy for Health Award. I mean, it's amazing. He's the, he, uh, let's celebrate. That's amazing. It's amazing. He's somebody that helps lead our church. But he's living a trend, and he'd tell you, he's not perfect. And he would tell you, it's not one thing that he's done, but it's a consistent life of transformation that's given him this opportunity. Is it possible that we miss out 
on so much transformation in ourselves and in our families because we do not see ourselves as ambassadors to the only one who can do anything about everything that's wrong in our world. And you may be wondering, what's your first step? What are you supposed to do? I love what Pastor Robbie DeJarnett at our Anderson campus, what, what he put in the devotional in his staff story. He wrote this, my first step in, in being transformed by God was to be available. Will you be available? Will you look at the mirror within Faith Promise and be available for a transformation of your perspective? There are things pressing us. What are the things in your life that are pressing you to be an ambassador for the world and not for the king? What are those things? For those two kings I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the message, they were both facing so much outside pressure. One was King Saul. He was the first king of Israel. He was God's chosen man for God's chosen people. And because of the sin that he had lived in, because of the choices he has made, he had made, he was facing the end of his reign. He was facing the end of his kingdom. And he was actually facing the end of his life. For the other king, King David, he was actually on the run. He was a fugitive at a town called Ziklag, which was his hometown. And that is where he and his men and their families were. But they had just gotten back, and a raiding army had just burned Ziklag. And they had stolen all David and his men, all their wives and all their children. They had ransacked their town, and they had stolen all of their family. And actually, David's men, his friends were talking about stoning him. They were talking about killing him because of what had happened. They blamed David. Both of these kings were in grim situations on the outside and they looked in the same mirror they both took a moment and reflected inside but they saw very different reflections paul when he looked in the mirror he put his own fate his decisions his future his calling in his own hands and he actually ended up taking his own life as i've been preparing this week i wonder if that's one of the reasons suicide is on the rise is because when people do put their phones away, they, they, they stop doing these things, they look on the inside, and they've been putting their hope in their own hands for so long that they find no hope. King David, the second king, he looked in the same mirror, but he chose to put his fate, he chose to put his future, he chose to put his family in God's hands. Because David modeled something for us that we're learning this year, that the hands that hold you, mold you. And he saw a very different result. Actually, we see it. The prophet records, starting in verse 6, he said, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and daughters, they had taken all their families right here. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength. He looked inside. He, you know he felt like a failure. You know he felt like he would never measure up. God had told him he would be king. There's no way he felt like he would be. And his friends are talking about stoning him. But he found strength in the Lord. Your calling's too great. Your ministry's too great to rely on me, to rely on pastor, to rely on anything besides God's strength and his calling in you to accomplish what he's called you to. I love what David does next. In verse 7, then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it to him. The ephod in this time, that's how they would know, that's how they would hear from God. We have the Bible, but in that time while the Bible was being written, they had the ephod. 
And David inquired of the Lord, using that ephod, using that moment, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them. He answered, you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. That's in 1 Samuel 30. Despite crazy internal and external pressure, David strengthened himself in the Lord. That's something we have to be able to do. Can I ask you, where's the first place you turn? At the beginning of the day, where's the first place you turn? But also whenever you're in a bad spot, where's the first place that you turn? Hey, I've turned to ice cream. I've done it. I've turned to buddies. I've done it. I've turned to friends. I've done it. When I was younger, I turned to pornography. I did it. But you know what? I never found any hope there. I never found any strength there. But David, when he finds strength in the Lord, the first thing he does is calls for God's word. Bring me the ephod. If you know you're called to live a transformed life, we have to have more of the word in us than the world. I want to ask you to take an inventory of your screen time versus your scripture time. If you're not on a Bible reading plan, please jump on a Bible reading plan with us. We want to do that with you. We want to walk with you. You, you need to be in God's Word. We want to do that together. Come on. And you know, you don't have to make up the first couple days of the year. Jump, just jump on with today. Jump on with tomorrow. Do that. Join us in the Bible reading plan. I love what David asked. Should I pursue them? Should I pursue them? And hey, this may be the most powerful thing some, some of you heard all day. There's some thoughts you need to stop pursuing. That you're not good enough that you'll never make it, that your marriage won't make it, that you'll never lose that weight, that you'll never memorize scripture, that you'll never share your faith, that you'll never be a leader, that you'll never be transformed. That is a lie from the enemy. And you need to start asking God, should I pursue that thought? No, you shouldn't. We need to stop pursuing things that aren't of God. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Hey, this is powerful. This is a word for our church right here. Whenever David was pursuing that army, he found an Egyptian sick, on the road, about to die. He was actually a part. This Egyptian was part of that army that raided his home, that took his wives and kids captive. That, that guy was the enemy. What did David do? David took him in. David fed him. David got him healthy. David didn't kill him. Let me tell you, if you break into my house, you take my wife and kids, and I get in my truck, and I find you down the road, I'm not putting you in the truck. I'm putting you under the truck, in the back of the truck, and buried in those woods. Why would David do I, I, I just thought, why would David do that? You know why? Because David was thinking crazy. His family was missing. He was crazy. He was out of his mind. Whatever it took to get his sons and daughters, his wives back, whatever it took. And can I tell you, we have to start thinking crazy. Because there's God's family who is separated from him, far from him, that we're around every day. It's time that we stop thinking that our enemy is a person. It's not a person. It's not a political party. It's not a social media post. The enemy is the devil who would like to keep God's family separated from him forever. We have to start thinking crazy as we live our life. Whatever it takes to get people back to God. These are great things for your growth plan. To get into God's word to share your faith, to get into a group. I want to encourage you to do that as a family. Whether you're having the best year you've ever had or whether you're surrounded by enemy, enemies and defeat feels almost certain, 
I want to ask you, today, in the beginning of every day, look in the mirror. Look at what you see and say about yourself. I would love to pray a prayer of transformation over you. And would you just bow your head and close your eyes and if, if you're in here and you know, and hey, you're a Christian, and you would say, hey, I need to be transformed. I've got stuff on the inside that I need to see, I need to see myself different. I need to see myself different. Would you just raise your hand, all of our campuses. If you need internal transformation, you're a believer, need internal transformation, raise your hand. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, we love you so much. And we just raised our hands across all of our campuses, and we're asking for transformation. God, there's lies that we believe. There's things that we, we've said over ourselves, generational curses that we've just hook, line, and sinker have believed. But God, would you set us free? Would you transform us? We are ambassadors. We've been handed the ministry of reconciliation. We've been handed that message. And the devil would love nothing more than to shut us up and shut us down. But God, that's not who you've called us to be. That's not what you've called us to do. You've called us to seek internal transformation first, to know whose we are so we can know what to do. God, would you set us free? Would you send a revival starting in Faith Promise Church? But would you send a revival starting in us? That's the only way that we will continue to see a sustainable move of you across the state of Tennessee. God, we love you, and we believe in you, and we're expected to see you move. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Has it been good to be at church this weekend? I hope it's been good. Hey, we're going to segue into a really special part, and I want to revisit a passage that we talked about during our time together. And in verse 20, it says that, we, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors, as though he was making his appeal through us. And right here, if you don't know Jesus, this last sentence is what we feel for you. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is the reason we do so many experiences across all of our campuses. This is why we want to plant a campus, a church, every year. Because first in our services, we glorify God, we love God. But also we love people so much, we want to see everyone reconciled to God. We want to live like losing one is too many. In the beginning, God, when God made man and woman, he made us to be in reconciliation, in relationship with him. However, when sin entered through that first couple, through Adam and Eve, when that sin entered, the, the Bible talks about that sin separating us from God. And that is whenever we choose our own way over God's way. But God made a plan to reconcile us back to him. And before we were given the ministry of reconciliation, Jesus came and performed the action of reconciliation. His son, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, he never sinned, to be offered for my sin, for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So this is a message not, not of what you've done in your life or what's been done to you, but this is a message that God desperately wants you to be reconciled to him. He wants a relationship with you. And you may say, well, Pastor Zach, how, how am I supposed to do that? Well, we've already prepared for that. And actually, we talked about Paul 
in that church in Rome. And people in Rome, just like some of you, are asking that question, how do I start that relationship? They asked that in Rome, and Paul told them verbatim in Romans 10, 9 and 10, he says, if you openly declare that, the, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead after he died for our sins, that God raised him to overcome death, then you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So if you're ready to be reconciled with God, we're going to openly declare right now together. Hey, can I, can I challenge some of us? Maybe you've never prayed that prayer, and we're going to do it together. Maybe you've prayed that prayer before when you were little, or maybe coming to faith promise, but you never meant it. Your life never been transformed. Can I beg you? There's a better life for you. God has a better life, a better relationship for you that he desperately wants to walk with you in. So would you join me? Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we openly declare a relationship with God? Say, God, thank you for loving me. Please forgive me. Transform my old life. I want a new life. Transform my old heart. I want a new heart. Jesus, you died for me, so I will live for you. Be Lord of my life. Be my first love.